0: Hello, everybody. Hi, this is Tom with the Ramble Redhead Show, and I'd like to welcome you to the Pride 48 live weekend event. Woohoo! So, uh, hello, everybody. And I just want to say I'm hoping and wishing you all have an enjoyable weekend. And uh, I, I just wanted to start out, because normally for people who may be new to the uh, this is my show, uh, I just want you to know, normally on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do a live show every Tuesday night. But this week, I decided not to. Uh, for multitude of reasons, but uh, the the one of the main reasons was because of work was absolutely crazy, and then the other reason was because I was planning to do this show, so I decided to uh, put it off. And basically, what I do at the beginning of every show is I like to talk to you about what's been going on um, in my life, and uh, and then I wanted to get on to a topic that I'm sure that many of you uh, other podcasters will be talking about, and um, of course, it's what happened. Uh, last weekend in Orlando, and, uh, and I'm going to be, you know, talking about it a little bit, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, just tell you a little bit uh, for the, maybe some people that are new, uh, you know, to the, my show, um, I've been doing this show for over 10 years now, uh, it's hard to, I'll be 11 in August, so, um, and basically it's a personal journal, and I do interviews with people, and I'm going to have some more interviews lined up later on which I'm excited about, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about a couple of them and explain something to you. But I wanted to, uh, you know, just, you know, tell you a little bit about what happened this uh, last week. Um, uh, See, this actually the June 14th uh, is my brother's birthday. And what we decided to do because, you know, I travel for work and stuff sometimes that uh, when a birthday is during the week, we normally like to try to do it on the weekend. So we have more time to be together. And normally when it's a birthday is that what we do is we normally would have a meal at my parents' house and each one of us, uh, the three kids, has their favorite meal. And in the past, my mom uh, would always make it for us. And for those of you who don't know, uh, my mother passed away last September. And so anytime we've had a, a holiday or a birthday without her, you could definitely feel obviously the change. And uh so this last weekend um uh it was my we decided to celebrate my brother's birthday on Sunday. And uh so that Sunday morning I woke up and the first thing I look at is my iPad and I'm looking at the news and all of a sudden I I read about the the shooting. And now the initial reports, you know, when I first read it was, you know, it was they didn't have all the details, you know, it was just very There was a shooting there. I really didn't have a lot of details and I was trying to find stuff. And so it, you know, of course, whenever you hear something like that, you get outraged, you get upset. It's, you're horrified that anybody uh, is, you know, killed to senseless violence like that. And then, then the more I got into it, then I found out it was actually a gay club. And then I hear more about the events. And then of course, the number of people uh, that were killed. And it it just, it just really, you know, threw me for a loop. And, uh, and I, you know, and then as I'm watching it, you know, and Roger and I are getting ready, we have a breakfast and, you know, and I kept watching like CNN and other channels to, you know, see what they would have. And, and then, you know, it, it kind of then, you know, and I was like, okay, I got to get away from this for a little bit. So I got up and I was doing some other things. And then, But I just couldn't, of course, couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I went back to watching it. And then I end up having to see the part where there was this mother who was being interviewed by this reporter with CNN. And the thing is, this woman is, is she's very calm at this point. She's very calm. And, you know, and she says, you know, that she believes that her son was there uh, with his boyfriend and that she has no news. And this is like hours, of course, after the incident. So the, the you know, and the mother, and I just, as I saw this woman, I just pictured like my mom and what her reaction would be. And, and this woman was getting very, very emotional. And, uh, you know, as she was saying, my son's in there with his boyfriend and I don't know and see that the, and I can't even imagine the horror for the family members who had no clue whether their child or friend or brother or sister had died or not, and that horrible weight that this that all these people, you know, had to endure. And so then they see her, and then a little bit later they show another clip with the same woman, and this time she's hysterical, she's upset, she's crying, she's you know, like angry and crying at the same time and and that's when i lost it i i mean i just started bawling and the thing is is that you know and then of course you like with any type of thing when you go through stages of grief you have you know the disbelief you know you just can't imagine this happening and then you think about the person and then you think about what coulda woulda shoulda and then you think about what the things you could have done differently and and all that stuff and so so there I am and I'm sitting there and I'm watching this over and over and they're, you know, talking about the people and it just, it, I just, it was just very, very devastating for me as I'm sure for all of you uh, who has a heart and, and a soul and you care about people and you have compassion for your own community and, uh, and all that. And it was just really, really heartbreaking. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm getting very emotional and all of a sudden Roger walks in and he sees me getting emotional. And he comes over and he gives me a hug and he's holding me. And he he says, Tom, I think maybe you shouldn't be watching all this, this long. Uh, and so he was, you know, a comfort for me. And then he says, of course, we got to get ready. We got to go to your, your dads. And so, uh, and so then I, I got ready and you know, I'm the whole time. I'm just, as I'm taking the shower, as I'm getting dressed and I had to go to the store and I, I just couldn't get the thought of this out of my head it was just mind-boggling and I and I and then I went to the store I was going to go to Target to get a card for my dad for Father's Day and I was going to get a card from my brother and I'm looking at all these cards and then right in the middle of of me having all these emotions thinking about all this stuff and then you then I'm seeing these Father's Day cards and and then you look and it says to my husband which would be from the wife. And then of course, then I think about my mom and then I, you know, and then it has all these, you know, all these other cards. And then just as I'm thinking, I'm going to get another emotional moment while I'm standing in the target looking at these cards, I look down and on the, one of the, the racks where the cards are, there's, and the, again, this is target. So um, props to them is that there's cards and it says for two dads and I picked up a couple of them and I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome, you know, because you, you know, and I, I, so here in the midst of all this sadness and this tragedy and all this stuff, and, you know, I'm just being really emotional. I look down and I see these two, these cards for two dads and, um, and I'm looking at them and I think they're really cool. And I even took a picture and I put it on Facebook and, and, and I just thought it, it was, it was a good thing. It was an amazing thing. And so I'm, I'm, and of course I went to Target and I'm looking at these cards and, I don't know what's going on with uh, green cards lately, but they they were horrible, horrible at these that store. So I had to go to another store, and I found a couple that were adequate. Um, and I thought I'd tell you that it was funny that the one ca- one card I got my brother, because my brother is notorious for getting cards that are uh, would say mean or cruel or you know funny, ha ha ha. But I decided to get him a card, and and on the card there was a this little girl and she's on a bike and on the bike there's in the the back seat there's a little uh, another seat and there's a cat and then behind the cat there's a little mouse on the bottom and uh and and then you open up the card and you're thinking oh this is going to be mushy this is going to be crazy this will be mushy and then you open up and it says something i hope your birthday is so so great that you get a poop out of mouse or something like that and so he just as he opened up the card, he was just like, what? And uh, so he just thought that was great. And then my dad was looking at it like, what? What? And so anyway, it was, it was kind of funny. Ha ha ha. But anyway, so then I get the card. I go to the bank to get the money to give my brother, you know, a nice and sensitive gift. It's like cash. And I, then we head over to the house. And, and to be honest with you, every single time I walk into my mom and dad's house, and knowing that she's not there i walk in and i kind of have this you know moment and i it happens all the time but of course i have to be there for my dad i have to be there for my my family and so i go in and i do it and i and i look at the picture that's up on the the shelf where where her ashes is and i see uh, her urn and i and i see that so she's always there you know and um and so I'm I'm walking in there, and my sister um, was being sweet. And what she did is to see my mom would normally make uh, pizza for my brother, for because he loves her homemade pizza. And the funny thing is that normally we'd have like maybe six or seven people there, and she would normally make like four pizzas. Like a if you take a cookie pan, you know the flat cookie sheet pan, she would make four pizzas on that. And, uh, and so I walk into the kitchen and my sister had made the exact same four cookie sheet pans, but there was only five of us there. And I'm like, wow, that's gonna be an awful lot of pizza for five people. And the whole time I can tell that she's acting, my sister is acting a little weird. And I'm like, so I go up to her and I said, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm really, really nervous that this isn't going to be as good as mom's and, and I give her a, and I give her a big hug, and I tell her, I said, Kim, it's gonna be fine, you know, and, um, and so, uh, we, we sit there, and we're having this meal for the first time for my brother's birthday without her, and making a thing that she used to make, uh, for him, and so it was, It was it was really um, amazing and then we're sitting there, we're eating and uh, and again again, we're all sitting there and we're getting ready to eat the first couple pieces and uh, the thing was that my sister is like looking at all of us as we're and she's she's got pieces on her plate and she's not even touched them yet and and we're all of course hungry and we're sitting there and all of a sudden, We take the first bites, and of course, I knew it was going to be fine. And and then it was just amazing. And we all look at her and we say, "Wow, Kim, this is great. This is awesome. This is like the best damn pizza in the world." And I said, "You put all the cheese to shame." And she looked at me, and and look, you know, all of us are looking at her, and we tell her, and then all of a sudden she goes, "Thanks." And um, it, you know, it was. And she goes, I was so worried. And, you know, and dad's like, oh, we shouldn't have had, you know. So it was just, so, you know, it was just really something to to see and to do and, and just enjoy and uh, honor my mom's memory with having this. So it was it was really good. So, so the thing is, I'm already, you know, emotional already because of what happened in Orlando. And then I'm going to my mom and dad's and having that happen. And, uh, so it was very tough. And then as I kept hearing more and more about what happened, um, that I just, you know, I just wanted to, to try to be vocal and do things. And so that's why I wanted to, to do this show. And I hope that all of you are listening or will be listening later when the show gets posted. I hope that you, um, will like what I put together for you. So um, the, the one thing I wanted to do, and I thought it was awesome that this person did this, and um, and I know it's a, it's a, a little long, but I, I wanted to do it because I think it's important to share, um, is that, um, of course, in, in case you're under rock and you don't know that, but in Orlando there was this tragic shooting and 49 people uh, were killed by this crazy uh, lunatic. And one of the things that happened is that Anderson Cooper was on CNN, and he basically wanted to do a tribute to the victims, and he wanted to share what he could about the individuals that he knew at the time, and I thought it was, you know, uh, quite um, powerful. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to to play this for you, and it's, it's a few minutes long, so I just want you to listen, but it's it's honor of the victims, and I just hope that uh you'll listen and uh, give it attention. So here we go. There are more than a, a list of names. There are people who loved
1: and were loved. There are people with families and friends and dreams. And the truth is we don't know much about some of them. We want you to hear their names and a little bit about who they were. Edward Sotomayor, Jr. He worked at a travel agency that catered to the gay community. His family says he was witty, charming, and that he always left things better than he found them. He was 34 years old. Stanley Almodovar III, he was a pharmacy technician. He was the last video that we saw of him was posted on social media. that showed him laughing and singing on the way to that nightclub. He was just 23. Luis Omar Ocasio-Capo, he was a dancer and a barista. He was just 20 years old. Luis Vielma, he worked at the Harry Potter ride at Universal Orlando. He was just 22. Juan Ramon Guerrero, his cousin said Juan came out to his family just this year and was afraid they might not accept him, but they did, and they embraced his boyfriend as well. He was 22. Christopher Andrew Leonone, known as Drew, he was um, Juan's boyfriend, and his mom says he established the Gay-Straight Alliance at his high school. He was 32 years old. Eric Yvonne Ortiz Rivera, a friend says he was always willing to help everybody and sacrificed a lot for his family, he was 36. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, he worked at a UPS store, memorized apparently all the regular customers' names, he could make anyone smile, his friend said, he was just 22. Kimberly K.J. Morris, moved from Hawaii to Florida just a few months ago to help her mother and her grandmother, she was a bouncer at Pulse nightclub, she was 37. Eddie Justice was an accountant who texted his mother from the club, texted his mother saying, Mommy, I love you. He was 30. Enrique Rios, a friend says he was cool and a funny dude who could tell tell people don't let the world hold you back from your dreams. He was 25. Anthony Luis Laureano Dizla, a talented dancer born in Puerto Rico. He was 25. Jonathan Antonio Camui Vega, he worked for Telemundo, first in Puerto Rico and then in Orlando. He was just about to turn 25. Corey James Connell was a student at Valencia Community College and hoped to become a firefighter. He was 21. Mercedes Marisol Flores. Her father says she was a happy girl who had so many dreams. She was 26. Dianca Deirdre Drayden. Her family called her Dee. She was a bartender at Pulse. She was just 32. Miguel Angel Honorato managed a Mexican restaurant. A colleague says he was an excellent boss and a good friend. He was 30. Jason Benjamin Josephat, a student at Southern Technical College, where a faculty member calls him a sweet kid with a bright future. He was 19. Daryl Roman Burt II was a financial aid officer at Kaiser University, he was passionate about volunteer work. He was 29. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez was a perfume salesman. Apparently he hit the gym almost every day and his friends said he was always happy. He was 35. Perez's longtime partner Luis Daniel Wilson Leon grew up in a small town in Puerto Rico and was a shoe store manager. He was 37. They died together. Frankie Jimmy De Jesus Velasquez, a professional dancer specializing in a traditional folk dance of his native Puerto Rico, he was 50. Amanda Alviar, she was a nursing student at the University of South Florida, was 25. Martin Benitez Torres, he was a college student in Puerto Rico visiting family in Orlando, he was 33. Juan Chavez Martinez, his co-workers at a hotel say he was a kind, a loving person, he was just 25. Gerald Arthur Wright worked at Disney World, a co-worker says he was wonderful with the guests. he was always smiling, he was 31. Leroy Valentin Fernandez worked leasing apartments. A coworker says he sang Adele in the office until they couldn't take it anymore. He was 25. Tevin Eugene Crosby, dedicated, hardworking business owner from Michigan. He was just 25. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, she had 11 kids, beat cancer twice, and often went dancing at Pulse with her gay son. She supported him that much. She was 49. Her son survived the shooting. Angel L. Candelario Padro recently moved to Orlando. He was new here. He had just started a new job as a technician at the Florida Retina Institute. He was 28. Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez was studying healthcare management. His family says that he was the light and life of all family gatherings. He was 25. Javier Jorge Reyes was a salesman at Gucci. Friends say he was always positive. He was humble, a lovely friend. He was 40. Shane Evan Tomlinson was a gifted singer who performed at weddings and clubs, was 33. Simone Adrian Carrillo Fernandez worked at McDonald's where he brought in birthday cakes for his coworkers and had just gotten back from a trip to Niagara Falls with his partner, he was 31. Oscar Aracena Montero was Simon's partner, he was 26. They also died together. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala worked at a blood donation center, was a Puerto Rican native, loved to dance, He was 33 years old. Frank Hernandez, he worked at a Calvin Klein store, was a great brother and had love, had no gender tattooed on his arm, he was 27. Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado was a dancer, described as hardworking and friendly, proud of his son, he was 33. Akira Monet Murray, she recently graduated from high school, was planning to go to Mercyhurst University and play basketball. She was just 18. And Christopher Joseph San Feliz worked at a bank, was said to be the most positive guy around, was just 24-year-olds. Luis Daniel Conde was a makeup artist, co-owned a salon with his partner, he was 39. Juan P Rivera Velasquez, he was the uh, partner to Luis, he was 37. Antonio Devon Brown was a captain and he, uh, excuse me, Was a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve and a graduate of Florida A&M, he was 29. Alejandro Barrios Martinez was 21. Joel Rayon Paniagua was 32. Gene Neves Rodriguez was 27. We don't have pictures of these people. Ilmarie Rodriguez Sullivan was 24. And Paul Terrell Henry was 41 years old. We think it's important that you hear their names.
0: Okay. I'm back. And I, I just want to say, when I, I watched that, I, you know, just like Anderson, as he read the names, I just couldn't stop crying. Because it, it's just, especially as as uh, Christy mentioned in the chat room, that there were so many couples uh, that were together. And, you know, and they, unfortunately, they had died together. And, and so it's just, it, it's just really unfathomable. It's unbelievable. It's it's just, it's just senseless is what it is. And it's just really, really incredibly heartbreaking and the the thing is that every time something like this happens even like you know compared to like when my mother passed away is that right when that happened because I've always been a compassionate caring person from day one but I think what happened was with the realization of my mother who was my rock who was probably the closest person that I could talk to to confide in about anything and everything and I had no worries about being able to do that with her is that when she was gone, is that uh, you know that a big part of me, big part of my heart, um, was broken because of that. And so I just kept thinking about what I was going through, and I just couldn't imagine what all of these forty-nine people and their family and their friends had to go through. And it just it just brought up all those emotions again. Um, and so it was just really heartbreaking and one of the things that as doing the research for this show to find these different clips that I want to share with you is I found this one and and I just thought if 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 a little bit of the message I hope that you hear is that the message about my show is about love about being supportive about being there for one another and telling the people that you care about that you love and not to let stupid little petty things get in the way of being a true friend uh, no matter what it may be and you know and, and and life you know as it is is so precious and something that we need to appreciate and we need to honor and we need to cherish and so i want to play this other clip now this is a clip um it, it's a, a group of people that were friends with some of the victims of the tragedy and uh and there's one part that really hits home with me because like i say i I do this all the time with my friends, my family, and I always tell them how I feel about them. And sometimes it probably gets to the point, same thing with Roger. I mean, because I cannot, every time I have to go out of town, I, I just sit there and I hold him and I hug him and I look him in the eyes and I said, honey, I love you and I will miss you. And because if God forbid if anything happened to me or to him that I want him to know. And uh, like what happened with my mom, I knew that every single day, Every single time I talked with her, whether I text her, whether I played an online game with her, whether I saw her in person or if I, you know, whatever, I always told her how I felt. And so I, I just want to, I wish I would have, there's a part that at the beginning, just to warn you, that I didn't edit out and I kind of wish I did now thinking back. But I just want you to listen to the whole thing and uh, let me, and then we'll go from there. Okay, here we go.
2: went to the bathroom and that's when we heard the first shots fired and at first we didn't know what was happening and we kind of looked at each other and he said what is that and I was like I'm not sure it sounds like the music is broken or something and um, then people started piling in the bathroom and you could smell this scent of blood and smoke and (laughs) and then my eyes got really big and I looked at him and I said we have to leave we have to get out of here it wasn't until we got maybe Like, two blocks away that I turned to Eric and I said, they're still in there. And I wanted to go back so bad. But it was too late by then. The last conversation we had, he said, you know, something we never do enough is tell each other that we love each other. So I just want to tell you that I love you so much. It was almost like he knew what was going to happen, you know, but he didn't. And I said, oh, you're being cheesy. And he said, no, but I really love you. And we just hugged for a minute. And I said, well, I love you too. And then we went inside to dance. But I had another friend who was inside the club that I had seen that night. And I just said, you know, did you see anything? Have you seen anyone? And he said, I, th- I think I saw Juan. <laughs> and I said, is he okay? And he said, I don't know. He's on a stretcher. I know he's been shot. And then I said, please tell me you've seen Drew. And he said, I haven't seen drew we just waited all night and he didn't see anything one minute you're telling yourself i have to come to terms that my best friend is gone and then the next minute you're telling yourself but he could be there he could be there we could hold out hope maybe dropped his phone maybe you know and then you start rationalizing and you drive yourself absolutely crazy
1: tell me about drew and juan together tell me about their relationship
2: it was love. So
3: passionate.
2: It was just love. There was no other word you could use to describe it. I mean, we were talking earlier, and when they were together, no matter how many people were in the room, it was like one person was <laughs> there. They were in their own space at all times. They never, they never hesitated to just look each other in the eyes and express love. No words needed to be shared, nothing. They just looked at each other, and you knew that they loved each other. I think that's the comforting thing, is knowing that not one of them has to live without the other one.
0: So I, I wanted to share that, and I know it was very emotional and very raw, but I, I want I wanted you all to listen to it because I hope, as you know, as RT Cruiser wrote in the comments, is that I was kind of avoiding the Anderson Cooper clip because I knew it'd be very sad. And the the thing is that, like with a lot of things in life, ladies and gentlemen, especially within the GLBT community and the things, the struggles, the ordeals that we've had to endure uh, from the very very beginning about you know, getting equal rights to, to getting, to be able to marry, to be able to adopt children, to, uh, to be treated like anyone else. And, and I am hoping, and I'm, and I know that, you know, in June of 1968, when the Stonewall riots happened, you know, what happened was those people got mad, they got angry, they got involved. And they said, we're not going to tolerate this shit anymore. And so I'm hoping that as you listen to this, you read the articles, you hear about these people who had been murdered, and I hope that it will anger you, and I hope that it'll get you off your ass, and I hope that rather than just putting a little rainbow symbol on your Facebook profile picture or uh, or doing something, I hope that it will impassion you, and I hope that it will encourage you to get off your ass and be vocal and speak up. And I hope that it will allow the many changes that we have seen. I mean, back in 2004, people, we had a president who was basically going on and on about gay people and, and not in a positive way. And then we get President Obama, and who's been more inclusive, who's included in our community, who's helped you know, change things around where we now have the ability to get married. And as I mentioned on that very day that that happened, that I was very happy and elated, But I know that we have so much more that we have to do. And if you can go on Facebook or Internet and you can read on the news, there's tons and tons of people that think all gay people should be put up against the wall and shot in the head. Uh, And that they're encouraging in there like, oh, wow, this is the greatest thing that all these people died, those filthy, filthy people. So I'm hoping that as you... Hear this, and I hope that you'll see, and, and you'll get angry, and I hope that you'll get involved. And I know, like George in Atlanta, he's been writing letters to his people, representatives, and being vocal. And I think that you need to do that as well—to call, to get involved, and to speak up. And the key thing is that we cannot—I mean, yes, we can sit here and we can be sad, and we can be mourn, and we can cry, and we can be upset. But I think what we need to do is use that anger, and not to let those 49 people die in vain, and I hope that we can make some true change, just like we did with uh, racial issues, with uh, the gay people, I mean, the GLBT community issues, and, and getting the things that we need to do. And I just think that we need to be even more vocal about what this is. And, and to give you another example is that I was uh, going through Facebook recently, and, um, and one of the things, there's a, a gentleman who, uh, he does this, uh, Bart's Comics and uh, it, 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 in this part, I thought it was, it was very powerful, this little cartoon, and I did share it. But it has a, a couple, it's a gay couple, and uh, the one saying, there's something I don't understand. You know, we can get married. We can adopt children if we want and start a family. Uh, we are being loved by our family, friends, and colleagues. And then why do we still have to be afraid to show affection in public simply by holding hands and again i don't know if you all know but basically one of the reasons why this uh shooter decided to go after the uh, gay bar was because he and i guess his father and uh, his son were in miami and they happened to see uh, a gay couple kiss and so he was outraged that, that that happened and um and so that's what enticed him to do this. And the other thing that really, really disturbs me is that, according to some articles that I've read, that supposedly his ex-wife went to different places with him and was, like, scoping the places out. And yet she didn't do anything about it, which I hope that this woman gets thrown in the jail forever, uh, you know, for accessory after-fact or whatever. But, you know, I think she's just as guilty as he is and the other thing is i'd also like to say that all the politicians all the the religious people who hate gay people who are anti-gay you know you're just as capable as the person that you might as well have pulled the trigger you might have been the one putting the bullets in you might as well be that person as well you know and i'm i want to hold those people just as accountable and i hope and and i hope That as you, if you care about this country, if you care about this world, then I hope that you'll, especially the people in the United States, I know there's people from all over there probably listen, but I hope that the people in the United States are going to take this to heart, and then when, come November, when you're voting, that I hope that you vote for the right person, and we don't have a Trump presidency, because he's a fucking idiot, and he doesn't need to be in the office, and he, I, I still, to this day, I find it unbelievable that people are actually that stupid to believe this horse shit that he spills out every day. And so, and to give you another example is that, see, this week, this week, uh, there was a, a, a memorial service kind of thing for the Orlando victims here in South Bend. And Roger and I and many of our friends were there. And uh, our Mayor Pete who who is gay. Uh, He and his partner was there and uh, he gave an amazing speech and I wish I could have recorded and I would have shared it with you today. Um, But unfortunately, um, I I didn't. But what they did is they, they had a service and they had different people speak. And as I'm standing there, every now and then I kept like putting my hand on Roger's shoulder or I'd grab his hand or I would, you know, hug one of my friends or something who was getting emotional. And I was just like, you know, and I'm like, there's like a little part of me that kind of flashed back to when I was this 14-year-old kid who was in high school who was quiet and shy and picked on and bullied and and felt ashamed for who he was. And the thing is that over the course of these years, and I think that it happens to all of us as we get older, you know, part of you gets that, well, fuck you phase where you're like, I don't give a shit what other people think, you know, and, and that's, how i feel like for example and i'm going to tell you something i'm a true confession right here this is something that still to this day that it really um bothered me because and and i and i think that people who are straight allies who are listening to this may not get it or straight people don't understand this but but just imagine all your life you especially when you're growing up like i did during the 80s where you know being gay was taboo and it was a horrible horrible word and and you feel that kind of ashamed or you're afraid of how people are going to treat you. And that's like when the coming out process happens, you're going to be afraid of the repercussions. And so when you do that, so what happened was a couple of years ago, I was at my job and a couple of people at work, you know, that I at that job I had knew about me. But there's some of them that didn't. And and one of these people, I was we had a meeting and this woman comes up and we're talking about different things. And I know she's a big Reality show, buff and we we're talking about different things, and I was telling her about the shows that I like, and she was talking about the shows that she likes and and then all of a sudden, out of the blue she says, are, are do you have someone in your life, are you with somebody and 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 at the time now this is when I was with with Joe is that see i didn't know how she would feel because i've heard from um, you know, different people that, you know, I didn't know for you know how she felt about gay people. And so there was part of me that was kind of like, you know, and so I said, um I I kinda said, no, I'm not seeing anybody. But I was. I was with Joe at the time. And, you know, there's just part of me, a little part of me right then and there that felt like I had to not tell the truth. And I felt ashamed of that. And you know, and now today, you know, because of the relationship that I have with Roger, and the the strength of it, the bond of it, the amazing relationship that I have with him—that I every single day I am so thankful that I have him in my life. That now when I go, because when I was having my issues with my back and my leg, and had to do these procedures and going through all this traumatic stuff, and he would be there. You know, they would always say, "Oh, is someone here with you?" And I'd say, "Yes, him." And they say, "Who's that?" And I said, "That's Roger. That's my partner." with pride, I say my partner. And uh, so I think we all have moments like that that I mentioned earlier, but I think that we need to stop that. We need to stop and be vocal about who we are and who we love and who we care about. And because I really feel just like with, you know, the times back in the 80s and the 90s and, you know, all the way up until today, you know, people change when they see that people that they care about are in their lives are like maybe the people that, like they have issues with. They, I mean, if they're if they don't care for gay people, but then they find out their son or daughter is gay, or their grandson is gay, or whatever, then all of a sudden you you start to change your mindset. You start to change the way you look at things. And I just think that I think that we need to be more vocal, and I think that we need to be more diligent about what we want. And um, and so that's. You know that's what I plan on doing, and I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am anymore. I'm not going to live and waste another second of my life feeling the way I did back then. And I'm encouraging that all of you do the same thing. And uh, and no matter what it is you want in life, you need to go after it. You have it. You gotta go with passion, and you gotta go for it because otherwise, it's not going to happen. And, and i honest with you, I, being a military person, I never thought don't ask, don't tell was going to end. I never thought same sex marriage would happen in, in let alone a few States, let alone all of them. And I cannot wait for that day that I get to marry my Roger and I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to scream and I'm going to be probably bawling like a baby. So, um, anyway, so, um, I want to get going on cause I'm 38 minutes in. I have some other things that I want to share. um, Now, the other thing that I want to talk about is that, see, as with a lot of things in life, (coughs) that the the ability to change, the ability to, you know, have compassion for other people is really important. And the other day I found this clip and it happens to be uh, at a uh, vigil for the Orlando victims in the state of Utah. And, uh, believe it or not, but the person that I'm going to about to play this from a video this sound clip from is actually from a Lieutenant governor who is a Republican from the state of Utah. And I'm sure if I would have just said, okay, I'm going to play this clip from this guy from Republican from Utah. That probably the first thing you would think of was, oh my God, I don't want to listen to this. Oh, it's going to be awful. But I just want to tell you, I listened to this and I thought it was amazing. And I'm going to share every second of it because I think it's that powerful. And I really hope that that you'll enjoy it as much as I did because I thought it was amazing. It was very touching, very powerful. So here we go. We will
4: now listen from the Lieutenant Governor of Utah, Spencer Cox. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm very humbled and honored to be here with you tonight. I'll speak very loudly so so you can hear in the back. Um, I'm supposed to be in Miller County tonight, um, about 150 miles away, but this was too important when Jim asked me to come. Um, I almost never write what I'm going to say, but tonight, uh, about an hour ago, I sat down and the words just came and so I wrote them and so I hope you'll allow me to read these. Thank you for being here tonight on this very solemn and somber occasion. I begin with an admission and an apology First, I recognize fully that I am a balding, youngish, middle-aged, straight, white, male Republican politician with all of the expectations and privileges that come with those labels. I, I am probably not who you expected to hear from today. I'm here because yesterday morning, 49 Americans were brutally murdered. And it made me sad, and it made me angry, and it made me confused. I'm here because those 49 people were gay. I'm here because it shouldn't matter, but I'm here because it does. Now, I'm not here to tell you that I know exactly what you are going through. I'm not here to tell you that I feel your pain. I don't pretend to know the depths of what you are feeling right now. But I do know what it feels like to be scared. And I do know what it feels like to be sad. And I do know what it feels like to be rejected. And more importantly, I know what it feels like to be loved. I grew up in a small town I went to a small rural high school. There were some kids in my class that were different than me, and sometimes I wasn't kind to them. I didn't know it at the time, but I know now that they were gay. I regret not treating them with the kindness, dignity, and respect, the love that they deserved. For that, I sincerely and humbly apologize. Over the intervening years, my heart has changed. It has changed because of you. It has changed because I have gotten to know many of you. You have been very patient with me as I went through this change. You even helped me learn the right letters in the alphabet in the right order, even though you keep adding new ones. (laughs) You have been kind to me. Jim DeBacchus even told me I dress nice once, and I know he's lying. (laughs) You have treated me with the kindness, dignity, respect, the love that I very often did not deserve, and it has made me love you. But now we are here. We are here because 49 beautiful, amazing people are gone. These are not just statistics. These were individuals. These were human beings. They each have a story. They each had dreams, goals, talents, friends, family. They are you and they are me. And one night they went out to relax, to laugh, to connect, to forget, to remember. And in a few minutes of chaos and terror, they were gone. I believe that we can all agree that we have come a long way as a society when it comes to our acceptance and understanding of the LGBTQ community. Did I get it right? (laughs) (laughs) However, there has been something about this tragedy that has very much troubled me. I believe that there is a question, two questions actually, that each of us needs to ask ourselves in our heart of hearts. And I'm speaking now to the straight community. How did you feel when you heard that 49 people had been gunned down by a self-proclaimed terrorist? That's the easy question. Here's the hard one. Did that feeling change when you found out that the shooting was at a gay bar at 2 a.m. in the morning? If that feeling changed, then we're doing something wrong. So now we find ourselves at a crossroads, a crossroads of hate and terror. How do we respond? How do you respond? Do we lash out with anger, hate, and mistrust? Or do we, as Abraham Lincoln begged us, appeal to the better angels of our nature? Usually when tragedy occurs, we see our nation come together. I was saddened yesterday to see far too many retreating to their overworn policy corners and demagoguery. Let me be clear, there are no simple policy answers to this tragedy beware of those that say they have an easy solution it doesn't exist i can assure you though this that calling people idiots communists fascists or bigots on facebook is not going to change any hearts or minds today today we need fewer republicans and fewer democrats and more americans But just because an easy solution doesn't exist doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. The greatest generations in the history of the world were never innately great. They became great because of how they responded in the face of evil and terror. Their humanity is measured by their response to hate and terror. I truly believe that this is the defining issue of our generation. Can we be brave? Can we be strong? Can we be kind and perhaps even happy in the face of atrocious acts of hate and terrorism? Do we find a way to unite or do these atrocities further corrode and divide us as a nation? Can we the citizens of the great state of Utah lead the nation in love and in the face of adversity? Can we become a greatest generation? I promise that we can, but I also promise that it will never happen if we leave it to the politicians. (laughs) Ultimately, there is only one way for us to come together. It must happen at a personal level. We must learn to truly love one another. The prophet Muhammad is reported to have said, you will not enter paradise until you believe, and you will not believe until you love one another. Jesus said this, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now you know a little something about hate, and you know a little something about persecution. But you also know something about loving, blessing, and doing good. What our country needs more than ever is less politics and more kindness. If nothing else, as we can see here tonight, this tragedy has the potential to bring us closer than ever before. And so may we leave today with a resolve to be a little kinder. May we try to listen more and talk less. May we forgive someone that has wronged us, and perhaps most importantly, try to love someone that is different from us. For my straight friends, might I suggest starting with someone who is gay. I leave you with the words of Lyndon B. Johnson. They were spoken at another very sad time in our history, the death of John F. Kennedy. He said this, our enemies have always made the same mistake. In my lifetime, in depression and in war, They have awaited our defeat. Each time from the secret places of the American heart came forth the faith they could not see or that they could not even imagine. It brought us victory and it will again for this is what America is about. On behalf of the three million people of the state of Utah, we are Orlando and
0: we love you and I love you. Thank you. Okay that was the lieutenant governor from Utah and I just thought what what he said was very very powerful in fact as I was doing playing that clip I was getting a couple messages uh from people that said wow this is very powerful stuff so i just hope that you know i hope that if anything i hope that gives you a little hope that there are people out there that do support us that are there for the community and that uh that you know see it beyond the political lines uh and i just think it's really important uh, the the other thing is I had a couple other clips that I want to I want to share and a couple of them are very short and um, uh, they're they're from the, the three of them that I want to share is from three different uh, talk show people uh, and the the first one is um, is from Conan O'Brien and I wanted to play this and I thought it was I and I definitely agree with what he says uh, at the end of this clip so here we go
5: Our goal, obviously, uh, night after night, is to be funny and silly if you're in the mood for that late at night. However, sometimes events are so horrifying and bleak that to come out here and tell jokes, just, it's not really possible. And uh, tonight, sadly, is one of those nights uh, at a time when we think we've heard the worst stories about senseless violence in our country that it couldn't possibly get worse, the news out of Orlando yesterday is still impossible to fathom. That so many people can lose their lives so quickly because of one person's demented rage will never make sense, and God help us if it ever does. Now, I am not a pundit, I am not an expert, and I've always, always made it a policy to stick to my job and keep my opinions to myself. I have really tried very hard over the years not to bore you with what I think. However, I am a father of two. I like to believe I have a shred of common sense and I simply do not understand why anybody in this country is allowed to purchase and own a semi-automatic assault rifle. It makes no sense to me. These, these are weapons of war and they have no place in civilian life. I have tried to understand this issue from every side and it all comes down to this. Nobody I know or have ever met in my entire life should have access to a weapon that can kill so many people so quickly. These mass shootings are happening so often now that lamenting them afterwards is becoming a national ritual? I do not know the answer, but I wanted to take just a moment here tonight to agree with the rapidly growing sentiment in America that it's time to grow up and figure this out. In the meantime, there are a lot of people suffering in Orlando. If you'd like to help them, visit GoFundMe.com slash Pulse Victims Fund. Now here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a break, and then go back to doing whatever it is we do here. I've never figured that out.
0: All right, now that's the very first clip. And I I just want to echo what he just said, is that I just, you know, and I'm I'm talking to all the gun people who are advocating guns and be able to have guns. You know, I'm, if, if you want to have a gun, you know, like a pistol or whatever, then that's fine. It's just, I just feel like he said, that if you do not need to... Because I found several videos, several articles, and you can find them all online, about how people went to a gun shop and was able to buy the same uh, weapon that the shooter did. And one person, there's a Huffington Post reporter who went in uh, with his coworker, and they went in and they were able to buy the exact same weapon. And they walked out of that door 38 minutes later. Paying six hundred forty nine dollars for that weapon, and it, it's just mind boggling. And the other thing is that the shooter, who, uh, who had all these issues against him, he was like beating his wife. He had been investigated by the FBI. He has been all this stuff, and but none. And, and even a President Obama, when he was in Elkhart, Indiana, one of the things he said is that I can tell what we can tell that people from the United States are going to ISIS websites and they're looking for information. And he said, we can put them on a do not fly thing, but we can't do anything to stop them from buying weapons. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is fucked up. So I just think that that's wrong and I just think that's disgusting. And, you know, and so I, you know, I, if you want to have a gun, then that's fine. But I just think that if anything that normally like the military would use, you know, those kind of things they need to be kept with them and we need to have a ban on all these other things and i hope very soon that that's going to happen so um i'm going to play another clip from this was another uh talk show person his name is john oliver uh and someone in the chat room asked who the previous person that was conan o'brien uh and so here's john oliver
3: i want you to listen to this hello there i'm john oliver and uh, before we start the show tonight i would like to quickly address the tragic events in orlando as i'm sure you know by now at least fifty people were killed by a gunman at a gay nightclub in what is being described as a terrorist attack and look it's still early and details are still emerging and right now this just hurts and the worst thing is this pain is so familiar in paris last november terrorists seemed to target places symbolizing everything that is wonderful about france culture music restaurants and in orlando early this morning the gunman attacked a latin night at a gay club in the theme park capital of the world. And for the record, I will happily embrace a Latin night at a gay club at the theme park capital of the world as the ultimate symbol of what is truly wonderful about America. And it's hard to even know what to do in the wake of an event like this. We do have a comedy show for you. We'll begin it in a minute with what will seem like jarringly inappropriate, jangly music. And i'm sure there will be much more to say about orlando going forward but for right now on a day when some dipshit terrorist wants us to focus on one man's act of brutality and hatred it might be worth seeing this video which was posted to twitter today it shows hundreds and hundreds of people this morning lining up around the block in florida waiting to donate blood and it kind of reminds you that that terrorist dipshit is vastly outnumbered. And now, please enjoy our Okay, what I want to do, because I'm getting in crulls to running out of time,
0: I want to go ahead and play this one final clip, and then uh, I want to tell you one other thing that I'm part of that I'd like to share with you. So, um, real quick, this is Stephen Colbert, and it's on his show at the beginning, I believe it was in last Monday. So, here we go.
6: Welcome to the Late Show. Like you, I am sickened at the news that early yesterday a terrorist killed 49 people and wounded 53 more in Orlando in the most deadly shooting in American history. Naturally, we each ask ourselves, what can you possibly say in the face of this horror? But then sadly, you realize you know what to say, but it's been said too many times before. You have a pretty good idea of what most people are going to say you know what a president whoever it is will probably say you know what both sides of the political aisle will say you know what gun manufacturers will say even me with a silly show like this you have some idea of what I will say because even I have talked about this when it has happened before it's as if there's a national script that we have learned and I think by accepting the script we tacitly accept that the script will end the same way every time, with nothing changing, except for the loved ones and the families of the victims for whom nothing will ever be the same. It's easy, it's almost tempting to be paralyzed by such a monstrously hateful act, to despair and say, well, it's the way the world is now. Well, I don't know what to do. But I do know that despair is a victory for hate. Hate wants us to be too weak to change anything. Now these people in Orlando were apparently targeted because of who they love. And there have been outpourings of love throughout the country and around the world. Love in response to hate. Love does not despair. Love makes us strong. Love gives us the courage to act. Love gives us hope that change is possible. Love allows us to change the script. So love your country. Love your family. Love the families and the victims and the people of Orlando. But let's remember that love is a verb. And to love
0: means to do something. OK, and I just want to I was hoping kind of echoing what I said earlier is I hope that, you know, by listening to what I played for you and I hope that as you listen and read the news and you hear more details about this tragic thing that happened, that I hope that it will inspire you to action. And, and, and I think that we all have to be thankful. We all have to be appreciative Of what we have in our lives and i think that it's important to to pay it forward and and i only have a minute so i'm going to tell you really quickly but there's a dear friend on facebook who is wanting to do something for the the first responders um and they're hoping to uh uh do like thank you cards and uh, send them like starbucks things and they want to do something so i just want to let you know that if anybody would be interested in being part of that to send like thank you cards or other starbucks cards you know to um please send me an email at ramble and i'll be happy to give you more information but and i've got to go it's already one o'clock so i'm going to say goodbye but i want to thank you all for listening and i hope that you all have a wonderful wonderful weekend and i'm sorry i'm going to go goodbye love you and a crazy redhead from indiana loves you